0: The way to perfection is narrow and steep, the pie paths are many, the pitfalls are deep. By theory alone, they think to arrive. Here's one who could teach them if he were alive. <laughs> a philosopher stepped into a boat. The river to cross would he, so learned was he, he thought no man could be half so clever as he, singing wise, oh, with his books, oh, such a mighty scholar was he, singing wise, oh, with his books, oh, such a mighty scholar was he, to the boatman he said, good man, pray tell, of the German philosopher's free. Schopenhauer, Hegel, and Ravetikant, whom you deem the wisest to be. Singing wise, oh, with his book, so oh, such a mighty scholar was he. Singing wise, oh, with his book, so oh, such a mighty scholar was he. Please excuse me, sir, the boatman said, I've not read your Philosopher's Three. All day I'm obliged to ply these oars to support my family and me. Singing wise, oh, with his book so, oh, such a mighty scholar was he. Singing wise, oh, with his book so, oh, such a mighty scholar was he. In that case, my good man, your wretched life is as good as a quarter lost. For without the writing of those three men, not a shelf of books would I trust. Singing wise, oh, with his book so, oh, such a mighty scholar was he. Singing wise, oh, with his book so, oh, such a mighty scholar was he. Now then tell me, good man. The scholar said, Have you studied the Frenchman des I told you before. The other cried, I'm unschooled. Hard work is my art. Singing wise, oh, with his books, so such a mighty scholar was he. Singing wise, O, oh, with his books, so such a mighty scholar was he. Hard work, but a waste, sad, foolish man. Half your life has been thrown away. Yet still a fragment might be redeemed. Memorize one theory a day. Singing wise, oh, with his book, so oh, such a mighty scholar was he. Singing wise, oh, with his book, oh, such a mighty scholar was he. Of a sudden, a storm with raging might did lash a river to foam. Like a drifting paddle, it tossed their boat till it seemed they'd never get home. Please sing with us. Singing wise, oh, with his book, so oh, such a mighty scholar was he. Singing wise, oh, with his book, so oh, such a mighty scholar was he. Then the boatman cried, My learned sir, our chances are growing dim. Two questions you put me so far this trip. Now I'll ask you one. Can you swim? Singing wise, oh, with his book, so oh, such a mighty scholar was he. Singing wise, oh, with his book, so oh, such a mighty scholar was he. I can't swim, as full! The philosopher cried as he clung in despair to an oar. Then the whole of your life is lost, my friend. You'll not need those books anymore. Singing wise, oh, with his books, so oh, such a mighty scholar was he. Singing wise, oh, with his books, oh, such a mighty scholar was he. The, the both regrets to say his fair, never reached the opposite, opposite bank. bank. All that ponderous learning inside his head, gave him weight, you see, and he sang. sang. Singing wise so with his book so such a weighty scholar was he Singing wise so with his book so such a weighty scholar was he La 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 la
1: la This reading is from Whispers from Eternity A book of prayer demands by Paramahansa Yogananda And this is the demand, the prayer demand, for removing the cork of ignorance. No more shall my consciousness remain bottled in this little vessel of flesh, corked with ignorance. No more will I remain moving through the sea of cosmic consciousness, night and day, years, decades, and how many incarnations, so close, yet never able to contact thy sea. Through the bursting vibrations of cosmic sound and the surging of thy holy name, I have removed the corks of ignorance which so long separated me from thee, though we live together so closely. Now my body consciousness will meet thy (laughs) all-surrounding, all-pervading consciousness. No longer will I walk heedlessly in thee, but never knowing and feeling thee, Thine image shall meet my image everywhere. By releasing the I-ness in me, I will know that I am thou, and that thou alone art the little ego of us all. Our topic this morning for Sunday service is ego, friend, or foe. I thought I might take a vote to see what you think, (laughs) but I don't think I will, because this is one of those paradoxes that occur so commonly on the spiritual path where we say, is it this thing or is it that thing, when in fact it is both things. I remember many years ago hearing Swami Kriyananda say, we will know when we have matured spiritually when we are able to say both and rather than either or. Isn't that an interesting statement? We will know that we have matured spiritually when we are able to say both and rather than either or, because most of the time two things are true at the same time. One saying it says it is and it isn't and both. It is and it is not. And all of these kind of paradoxes that occur it, it, as I was thinking about that, I thought about so many of our Sunday service topics um, in this, the, the rays of the uh, One Light reading, as Sudarshan just read out of that book, or something versus something. Did you ever notice that before? I want to read you a few of them so you'll get the idea behind this, what the many paradoxes that are faced on the spiritual path. By the way, a paradox means a seemi- it, uh, in the dictionary, it says it's a seemingly contradictory statement which nevertheless may be true. It's <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it comes from the root words paro, which means beyond, and dox, which means opinion. So it means beyond opinion. Think on that one a little bit. Okay, so some of the topics we often cover here are effort versus grace, reason versus intuition, Activity versus inner communion. And here's a good one. Is karma bondage or soul release? Both. <laughs> Intelligence versus feeling, which is more important? Both. Which is more important, your heart or your head? Your intellect or your feeling? And finally, here's one. Why pray to God at all if God already knows everything? <laughs> I particularly like that (laughs) one. No, (laughs) just one. (laughs) Today it's ego, friend, or foe. Is our ego our friend or is our ego our enemy? Well, first we better talk about what our ego is in the first place because every single one of us has an ego. It's part of the equipment of being a human being and it's a very good thing to have An ego is really a wonderful thing to have. In many ways, it's a good friend of ours. Um, There are human beings who have problem not having an ego. Ego is a sense of self, uh, knowing who you are. If you don't know who you are, if you're uncertain about who you are, we often call this psychotic. (laughs) Uh, You perhaps have had this experience. I know I have. Introduced myself to someone and said, hello, I'm Savitri. And they smiled bigly at me and said, hi, I'm Elvis Presley. <laughs> and I thought, my goodness, <laughs> I don't think so. Or worse yet, when someone introduced me to himself, as, and he, was, he told me he was a locomotive. And then he went like that. And I thought, well, okay, now that's a little bit of a different sense of self. to what we're used to talking about, we usually kind of have a sense of knowing what our name is and where we're from and, and uh, whether we're male or female. You know, things like that, just the basics. And if we don't have that, then there's usually a little bit of a problem. Okay, But to have too much of a sense of self is the other side of this coin, which causes us problems also. We call this egotism or egoism. I love myself. I really love myself a whole lot. As a matter of fact, I love myself a whole lot more than I love you or anything else in the world. Now, that's where ego starts to cause this problem. Paramahansa Yogananda defines the word ego as the soul identified with the body. Okay, The soul identified with the body. First of all, the soul, to back up and define that, the soul is the part of us which is a part of God a part of us which is a part of everything. It's the little God spark within us. And when Yogananda says the soul identified with the body, the body, he's talking about more than one body. There's the physical body, there's the energy body, there's the body of thought, and all of these are... um, Well, the soul is like a... That beautiful reading I just gave from Whispers from Eternity is talking about the encasements around the soul. The soul is like seawater in a bottle floating in the ocean. The soul is the same thing as the great ocean of spirit, but we miss the point because we're containerized in these bodies. And in this beautiful reading, he talks about the corks of ignorance. And our duty and our destiny is to release our ego, to pop all these corks, I don't know if you knew that that's what the spiritual path is about. It's about popping corks, (laughs) popping the corks of ignorance, remembering who and what we really are. We are one with the infinite, but our ego doesn't like that so much. Our ego is a part of us, and our ego gets restless with thinking about being one with all that is. It gets a little upset about that. It says, what about me what about, what about my existence? I exist, therefore I wish to exist. <laughs> it's, it's also this sort of thing of, of separateness. The law of maya, the law of delusion, and the ego work hand in hand. For example, if I take a knife now and I cut my arm, ouch, ooh, that hurts. But if I take my knife and I cut your arm, hmm, oh well, it didn't hurt me so bad, you had it coming. Well, now, (laughs) didn't mean to look at you specifically, Alex. I just picked somebody out here. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) But in reality, Alex and I are one. All of us are one. If I hurt myself, I hurt you. If I hurt you, I hurt me. It's all the great ocean of spirit, but it just seems so separate, doesn't it? I know you're probably sitting here thinking, what is she talking about? I am me, and you are you, and never never the twain shall meet. So in that respect, our ego does cause us a lot of problems. As a matter of fact, it is the last barrier that stands between us and our becoming one with God, our destiny for everyone in this world. This is where we're going, whether we know it or not. Someone once asked Yogananda about someone, whether they were on the spiritual path or not, and Yogananda said everyone's on the spiritual path. There anyone who's not on the spiritual path, but some have not, just have not realized it yet. So this, the brainstem, the part of the brain that's called the medulla oblongata, it's that part of the body which is the first thing formed, At the moment of conception when the sperm and ovum meet, there's a flash of light in the astral world and we take on form and all of our energy comes into that little cell and that's right there at the medulla. And all the energy enters and begins to create the little body which grows, which becomes who we are. But we get our ego, we get our sense of self right then and there at that moment. The medulla oblongata, as Yogananda teaches us, from that point forth, becomes the mouth of God. The mouth of God, meaning life force and energy, pours into us and radiates our body and keeps us alive. Some people who learn the teachings of Yogananda wonder a little bit about this because we also teach the energization exercises where we're tensing and relaxing and drawing energy in through the medulla. And you say to yourself, well, How come I'm bringing energy in right where my ego is? Won't that energize my ego? Well, the fact is that it energizes the whole body, all of your chakras, the ego, everything, with a different kind of energy. This is called the energy of cosmic consciousness. This is the energy of God, whereas most of the time we're used to irradiating, if you will, our ego, the sense of self with a lower form of energy, and that's the energy of I, me, and mine. It's like a mantra that we're saying night and day. We have a little song we even sing here. I should ask the singers to sing it this morning. I, my, me, mine, I, my, me, and mine, me and mine, I, and mine, me, me, I, I. It goes on and on and on and on. It's this the Mandela sitting back there singing that little song to us? <laughs> All the time, I, my, me, and mine. That's not the same as irradiating the ego with conscious cosmic energy and giving the ego a chance to grow up. You see, we're not trying to kill the ego. A lot of times in spiritual teachings, I run across this a lot. A lot of people think they get up on the platform and they say, You gotta kill your ego. Sounds like the Baptist preachers I used to hear when I was growing up. You gotta kill your ego. You gotta smash it. You gotta destroy it. Let it die, and then you'll be who you are supposed to be. Well, it kind of sounds good. But my friend, I want to tell you something very seriously here, is that you can't do it. It's not possible to kill your ego, your sense of self. You can help it to grow up, and I hope you will. I hope you'll help your little self become a greater self, but it's not going to die. It's just going to mature, Okay, and uh, it the ego will sit around and say things to you like Peter Pan said. You remember what Peter Pan said? I don't want to grow up. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I would rather stay a child. I like it like it is. I don't know if Peter Pan really said all the things, but that's the general idea behind it. I think that may be the power of that story because we recognize within all of us, there's a part of us that simply would like to remain uh, a spiritual child, not a spiritual hero, not a saint. It's a little easier to do that in many ways, but it is inevitable. Uh, Children do grow up almost without fail, although many of us keep a little bit of it inside of us, which is probably a good thing, that childlike feeling. But still, we are going to mature and grow older and thus also our ego, if properly dealt with, is going to be encouraged to grow up, to grow out of this I, me, my mantra and begin extending itself out into the world in a a giving way. Someone who is very egotistical thinks only of themselves. So what would naturally be the next step out of that is to start thinking about something other than yourself okay I once read a study about work, people who worked with people who were psychotic and this was in Japan I believe it was and the way they helped people was they gave them something to do so that their energy wouldn't always be focused on themselves um, sometimes Swami Kriyananda has defined mental illness to us as the inability to relate to anyone's reality but your own. So to get rid of this grip that often the ego has upon us, start thinking of others. But in this case, in Japan, they started out with having, giving people a little plant to take care of and to water it and to make sure that it grew. And when the patient was able to do that, then they would give them perhaps a little animal of some sort, a little frog or a fish or a guppy or something to monitor them and be sure they didn't hurt it in any way, but to help them extend You see, this is an extension out from just nothing but I and me and myself and no one else exists to reach out from that place. And then if that worked well, then they gave them something like a kitten or a dog to take care of, to love to express their energy outward in that way. And finally, if this continued on in the right way, they would have them working out in the garden, taking care of animals, and eventually even working with children a little bit. Always, of course, carefully monitored. But this was apparently a very, very successful program for people. Now, it's a successful program for us also. I'm not saying to you that you have to run out and get a guppy and (laughs) work in the garden in order to find God. But what I'm trying to say here is to extend yourself outward from yourself and don't think only of yourself. Start thinking of others. This is the first step towards God realization is not to put yourself first. There's, uh, this is often told here at Ananda because sometimes people ask us, how do those of you who are at Ananda, who are Ananda ministers, become ministers? Who selects you? What schools do you go to? How does that all work? And people have asked Swami Kriyananda that question very often. And here's the answer he gives. It's an intriguing one. He says, we don't give them any special training particularly, we don't uh, judge them by anything other than the f- the fact that we've watched them, usually for a number of years. And we ask the question, in times of their own personal trials and difficulties, are they still able to think of and help others? Now, that is an interesting criteria there for ministering to others, so for giving to others, is to be able to step out of your ego step into a greater ego, step into a higher ego, that sense of myself as a part of everything. I'm not more important than you. I'm not more important than anything. But there's a step even beyond the helping of others. Many, many people help others a lot. The People are very selflessly giving of themselves, feeding the poor, working with others to help them. But even they get themselves in trouble when they don't take yet another step. And that next step is the one which will lead us out of the darkness of our little selves, that cling the ego has on us, into the growing up, into superconsciousness, And that is to see in relating to others and helping others in doing good in this world that you are not the doer. God is the doer. God is flowing through you. Yogananda often said, if the great missionary workers around the world, are doing wonderful things, and yet they burn out, they become sad, they sometimes lose their mission. All they need is a little meditation. All they need is to feel what they're doing is not them doing it. It is not me doing it. It's God flowing through me. And then the ego grows up. And then the ego becomes a great friend. It becomes someone who will not hold you back from your spiritual development, but who will aid you and be with you at all times. Now, what is the ego made out of? I've told you where it lives. Now, what's it made out of? It's made out of energy. It is an energy pattern. It's a part of one of your chakras, your sixth chakra to be exact in yogananda's teachings on the chakras when we get to the sixth chakra it's almost like there's two there's really just one but there's two because it has two aspects one is the medulla oblongata where the ego sits and the other is the spiritual eye which is a pro- pro- a projection forward from the place where the little self sits the yogananda often talked about this as being a little bit different from the way most people perceive this very powerful sixth chakra. And Swami Kriyananda often suggests to us that when we meditate, that we put our consciousness in the medulla oblongata and then project our energy forward to the spiritual eye. Often I do this. You might want to try this in one of your meditations as I make a little miniature savi tree and I set her down right there in the medulla And I let her extend her hands, her little bitty miniature hands inside of me, I hope you can get this image, up (laughs) from there to there to the spiritual eye. And I try to see that beautiful light, the golden ring, the blue star, the the blue tunnel, the little white star there. And I yearn for that, I reach for that, I move my little self towards my higher self in meditation. Try it. It's a very, very powerful thing to do because it's starting where you are. If you don't have any ego of the right kind, I don't think you, I think probably everyone here in this, I think I'm safe in saying everyone here in this room has a regular kind of ego. We're all aspiring. Um, Use this feeling of reaching from where you are to where you need to go. It's not a very long journey. We sometimes say with spiritual journeys from the first chakra to the seventh. Really, it's a lot shorter than that. It's from the medulla to the spiritual eye. It's offering the little self into the higher self. So is the ego my friend? Only if I make it so. Is it my enemy? Only if I let it be so. Take charge. In certain ways, it's like a little child. I've heard some people refer to the ego as the small self. I'm even telling you to make yourself little and sit there and reach for that light. But in a way, it is sort of like a child. It's a very willful child. Have you ever been around a very willful child? They find ways of getting their way no matter what. Have you ever noticed that? (laughs) It's very interesting. So the ego and I'd like to kind of close with this idea because I, I don't want you to go out of here thinking this is a simple matter to do. The suggestions I've given are good ones. They come from the masters and the, and the great ones. But still, that ego can be so tricky. Let me give you a, an example of that. Um, often, when the alarm goes off in the morning and it goes off pretty early at our house and it's time to meditate... I hear my ego talk to me, almost in words. Now, are we going to think Savitri is psychotic? Maybe, I don't know. But to me, it's like a little animal. It's almost like a monkey or something. It's usually right about here. Okay? And my soul, my greater self says, Savitri, time to get up. Time to meditate. And this little creature back here says, I don't want to. (laughs) And I, you know, I hear it's pretty loud. It's, and then it starts giving me reasons. You are tired. Remember we were up late. Remember how hard you've been working this week. On oh, it just it's just really it's very smart. To, it knows me because it is me. Okay. So, I, you know what I'm saying. So yeah, we're going to get up. It's time to meditate. We're going to get up. We're No, I don't want to. Let's don't. You know what? The bed feels so good. It just goes on and on. It really starts throwing a real tantrum, really. And it's very convincing. Now, when this happens to you, or if it happens to you, I suspect it will or already has, (laughs) simply do this. Mentally turn. And don't start, take a big stick and start beating it. You will get up. You will meditate. It'll just get worse. It'll just get stronger if you do that. So what you do is you turn and you say, dear friend, I know who you are. You're me. And I know you have my best interest at mine and in in your mind, my mind. (laughs) This gets a little complicated. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, do you remember the last time we went through this? And do you remember when we did go ahead and get up and meditate and how good that felt? Even you felt good, didn't you? And it has to say, yeah, yes, I did. (laughs) I'll tell you something else. I'll make a bargain with you. You can be in charge of me most of today. But for right now, let's let the soul be in charge. You know it works better. Don't you know this? Yeah. It it, begrudges it, but it knows the truth. Okay, because it's not a stupid creature. It is not a monkey on my back that wants to hurt me in any way. It just simply wants to keep me young and small, spiritually speaking. When I ask for its cooperation and explain to it why we're going to do what we're going to do, almost always it'll go along with the program. So give that a little try. And then you can say, look, I don't mean you any harm. I love you. You're me. But I want to love you with the highest sense. I want to love you in a way that will help us both get out of this mess. See what it's like when I leave you in charge (laughs) all the time? And it's yeah, okay, it says, yeah, I know, I know, you're right, you're right. So together, we get up, we meditate. And sometimes even at the end of the meditation, if I remember, I say, aren't you glad we did that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. So, make the ego your friend. Help it to grow up. Help it to become all that is potentially meant to be. And that is one with God and one with all it is. Thank you. Lord,
0: most high, our our heavenly Heavenly Father, all our lives we dedicate to. we